This podcast is brought to you by the Reform Witness Committee of Hope Protestant Reformed Church in Walker, Michigan. It is our goal to spread our distinct Protestant Reformed views based on the Word of God and the Reformed Confessions. We hope that this message is edifying to you. The following is a sermon preached on a Heidelberg Catechism Lord's Day. For more sermons, see our sermon audio page. Our scripture reading this morning is 1 Corinthians chapter 12. 1 Corinthians 12, that familiar passage in God's Word which describes the communion of the saints and the church in the picture of, or with the picture of a human body and all the members as the parts, parts of that body. 1 Corinthians 12. Hear the Word of God. Now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I would not have you ignorant. You know that ye were Gentiles, carried away unto these dumb idols, even as ye were led. Wherefore I give to you understanding Give, to, give you to understand that no man speaking by the Spirit of God calleth Jesus accursed, and that no man can say that Jesus is the Lord but by the Holy Ghost. Now these are the diversities of gifts, but there are diversities of gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are differences of administrations, or ministries, but the same Lord. And there are diversities of operations, but it is the same God which worketh all in all. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to every man to profit with all. For to one is given by the Spirit the word of wisdom, to another the word of knowledge by the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, the gifts of healing by the same Spirit. To another, the working of miracles. To another, prophecy. To another, discerning of spirits. To another, diverse kinds of tongues. To another, the interpretation of tongues. But all these worketh that one and the self-same Spirit, dividing to every man severally as he will. For as the body is one, and hath many members, and all the members of that one body, being many, are one body, so also is Christ. For by one Spirit are we all baptized into one body, whether we be Jews or Gentiles, whether we be bond or free, and have been all made to drink into one Spirit." For the body is not one member, but many. If the foot shall say, Because I am not the hand, I am not the body. Is it therefore not of the body? And if the ear shall say, Because I am not the eye, I am not of the body. Is it therefore not of the body? If the whole body were an eye, where were the hearing? If the whole body were hearing, where were the smelling? But now hath God set the members, every one of them, in the body as it hath pleased Him. And if they were all one member, where were the body? 
but now are they many members, yet but one body. And the eye cannot say unto the hand, I have no need of thee, nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. Nay, much more those members of the body which seem to be more feeble are necessary, and those members of the body which we think to be less honorable, upon these we bestow more abundant honor, and our uncomely parts have more abundant comeliness. For our comely parts have no need, but God hath tempered the body together, having given more abundant honor to that part which lacked, that there should be no schism in the body, but that the members should have the same care one for another. And whether one member suffer, all the members suffer with it. Or one member be honored, all the members rejoice with it. Now ye are the body of Christ, and members in particular. And God hath set some in the church, first apostles, secondarily prophets, thirdly teachers, after that miracles and gifts of healings, helps, governments, diversities of tongues. Are all apostles? Are all prophets? Are all teachers? Are all workers of miracles? Have all the gifts of healing? Do all speak with tongues? Do all interpret? but covet earnestly the best gifts. And yet show I unto you a more excellent way. We read that far in God's holy and inspired Word. We turn now to the Heidelberg Catechism and Lord's Day 21. Lord's Day 21. We read... Question and answers 54 and 55. We have a few weeks ago considered question and answer 54 regarding the confession that we believe an holy Catholic Church. And today we consider especially question and answer 55 the communion of the saints. Let's read question and answer 54 and 55. What believest thou concerning the holy Catholic Church of Christ? that the Son of God from the beginning to the end of the world gathers, defends, and preserves to Himself by His Spirit and Word out of the whole human race, a church chosen to everlasting life, agreeing in true faith, and that I am and forever shall remain a living member thereof. What do you understand by the communion of saints? First, that all and everyone who believes, being members of Christ, are in common partakers of Him and of all His riches and gifts. Secondly, that everyone must know it to be His duty, readily and cheerfully to employ His gifts for the advantage and salvation of other members. Beloved in the Lord Jesus Christ, I begin this morning by refreshing your memories on where we are in the Heidelberg Catechism. Remember that the Heidelberg Catechism is explaining the object of our faith, who we believe, 
We believe in God, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, the triune God. And that is how the Apostles' Creed, which the Heidelberg Catechism is explaining, is divided. God the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And here in Lord's Day 21, we are in the section where the Heidelberg Catechism is explaining our faith in God the Holy Spirit, the third person of the Trinity. In explaining our faith in the Holy Spirit, Lord's Day 21 shows us that the Spirit's work is the gathering, preserving, and defending of His church. Christ sends His Holy Spirit for this purpose, that we might be members of His church. A few weeks ago, we focused on how the Spirit makes us members of the universal or Catholic church as she is the company of elect called out of the world, existing in all times and in all places and of different peoples. And the wondrous gospel of Lord's Day 21 and question and answer 54 in particular is that Christ by His Spirit, Spirit makes us members so that we may say, I am and forever shall remain a living member thereof. In emphasizing that truth of Christ's work by His Spirit to make us members of His church, we emphasize that this salvation is not dependent on us. And it's even not dependent on our membership in an earthly church institute. Our membership, we said, is not a condition for salvation. In doing so, I stated a few weeks ago that that does not lead to an antinomian response so that God's people who are members of His universal church say then and respond, twisting God's Word, that it doesn't matter then whether I'm a member of a church institute. And it doesn't matter what church institute I become a member of. But all those who are members of His universal church will be drawn and will seek membership in a true church institute, a local congregation like this one. And this morning we consider Harbor Catechism's explanation of the communion of the saints with that as an emphasis, for in question and answer 55, when we consider the communion of the saints, we must understand that that communion of the saints takes place in a local congregation. We don't simply have communion of the saints with people everywhere, but God sets us in a local congregation where we enjoy, we, we experience this communion. Communion of the saints is connected. It's joined to that truth of the church. The universal church. While the church is God's people essentially everywhere, God draws us to a church like this one. So here we receive the truth. Here we share. We're partakers of Jesus Christ and His truth. And His Spirit builds us up in faith. This is the work of the Spirit, which Paul is describing in 1 Corinthians 12 that we read. 
1 Corinthians 12 brings up that familiar illustration, as I already mentioned before the Scripture reading, that as members of His church, we are brought, we are made one body with Jesus Christ as the head. But an important point as in way of introduction is that as Paul speaks about this body with all of its body parts, he is speaking to a local congregation. He is speaking to a particular church institute in Corinth. So that when we read in verse 27, now ye, you are the body of Christ and members in particular, he is saying not about the church Catholic, but about the church institute, the local congregation, that you are the body. And while it is true that every member of the universal church is part of the body of Christ, in the local congregation, we may say, is the representation of the body of Jesus Christ as well. You, Hope PRC, you, members here, are the body of Christ with Christ as your head. And here, we enjoy the communion of the saints as members of His body. Consider this doctrine with me under the theme, Church Communion. Communion of the saints can be called Church Communion. First, the reality Second, the duty that we have in knowing this communion. And then finally, the manner, the manner in which we engage in this communion. In considering the truth of the communion of the saints, we must begin, as the Catechism does, with our communion with God in Jesus Christ. That's how the Catechism begins. First, it says, first, that all and everyone who believes, being members of Christ, are in common partakers of Him and of all His riches and gifts. Communion is first between you and God. Before it is between you and each other, others in the church. 1 John 1 verse 3 explicitly says that. Truly, our fellowship or communion is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. What is this communion that we have with God? The word communion is synonymous with the word fellowship. That's what we read in 1 John 1 verse 3. Fellowship and communion are the same thing. Defined, communion or fellowship is the intimate sharing, the intimate sharing of gifts among friends who are in covenant with each other. Often when we think of the word communion, we think of it as synonymous to covenant, and it may be used in that sense, synonymous to covenant or the friendship that we have with God. Whoever we can distinguish that we don't separate them. So that covenant is the bond of friendship, the unbreakable bond of friendship. And the word communion is that which we enjoy within that relationship. Covenant is the union which God establishes. He establishes that union with each of His elect people and them alone. And communion is the sharing of life within that 
bond of friendship. In that covenant, God gives to us blessings of salvation. That's communion. We receive from Him those gifts of salvation. And even this, part of that communion, having received and only because we receive from God, we then respond by His power and thanks and give back to Him. That's part of communion that we have in covenant. One of the most basic illustrations is marriage. In marriage, husband and wife are bound together in a relationship. A relationship is established. But more than that, within that relationship, there is a giving and receiving that takes place. A sharing of love and life within that relationship. That's called the communion that friends have with each other in a relationship. It's also between us and God. God with His bride, the church, does establish a bond called covenant. And through that bond, there is communion. A living back and forth movement wherein God gives to us, we receive, and then by His power, respond. And let's make clear that this covenant and this communion both are unconditional Unconditional. Christ has earned all the blessings of covenant life for us by His righteousness and with His shed blood. He's paid for it by His perfect life and with His death. And then having done so, He rose from the dead and connects us to Himself through the bond of faith. And then causes there to flow from Himself to us, the members of His church, this enjoyment of communion with Him and with God. Ephesians 2.13, But now in Christ Jesus, ye who sometimes were far off, are made nigh by the blood of Christ. Ephesians 2.18, For through Him, meaning through Christ, we both have access by one Spirit unto the Father. The way is open. We have fellowship, sweet communion with the Father in Jesus Christ. When question and answer 55 speaks of being members of Christ, you see that, being members of Christ, it is referring to this bond that we have. The bond of covenant, the bond of faith that Christ has established between us and Him. Between us and God. And then when the catechism in question and answer 55 speaks of partakers, that word partakers of Him and all His riches, there it is speaking of the communion. The gifts that flow from Christ to us through that bond. And through that bond also, whether by the power of that bond, we respond in thanks. The Scriptures give many illustrations of this communion. We've considered before the graft. The illustration of the graft which binds branches to a vine. Jesus Christ being pictured as the living vine and we as branches dead of ourselves are bound to that vine by a graft. 
And through that bond, there is sweet communion that flows from Christ to us all the blessing. He shares, He makes us partakers. The illustration, however, that we find in 1 Corinthians 12 is that of a body. Another familiar illustration. Christ is the head. We are the many body parts. Fearfully and wonderfully, He has joined us as body parts to Him, the head. So that from the head, it flows to us all the blessings of salvation. That's communion with God and with Christ. We're made partakers, the catechism says, of Him and all His riches and gifts. Don't skip over that word, Him. Often when we think of communion with God in Jesus Christ, we think mainly of the gifts and riches which He causes to flow from Himself to us. But all of the gifts and blessings of salvation are not apart from Him. We have communion with Him. We're made partakers of Him. And then only all His riches and gifts. Him personally. And that might seem insignificant at first, but it's not. You must understand whether you're old or young that when you are saved, when you're brought into covenant with God and have communion with Him, Salvation consists not merely of blessings like justification, forgiveness, or sanctification, holiness, or power unto good works. Yes, salvation includes all the blessings, but more. Salvation is that we are joined to Him We're made, we're made members of Him and His body. We have a relationship with Jesus and in Jesus Christ with the triune God. Never, beloved, never separate the blessings of salvation from Christ Himself. The practical result is this, if you do, when you separate the many blessings of salvation from the person of Jesus Christ, what happens is you become a people that think about all the doctrines that teach about your gifts of salvation. And you don't have communion with the person of Jesus Christ Himself. Salvation is not, male, not only all the blessings and all the doctrines even which show the blessings, it's with Jesus Himself. Sweet communion with Him. Wherein He communicates. Notice the similarity between those two words. Communion and communication. When Christ joins us to Himself, this is how He personally shares His gifts and shares Himself with us. He communicates. You know what that means? 
in our personal relationship with us, He speaks. He speaks to us. He doesn't have a cold bond with us. It's a living relationship like a husband, a loving, faithful husband would. Christ draws His bride to Himself. He doesn't just give her presents so that she enjoys presents. But He speaks to her of His love. He says, as He does this morning also in His Word, repent and believe in Me. I forgive you who believe on the basis of My work on the cross and on that basis alone. I deliver you from your bondage to sin. I do all things for your benefit. I give you life. And I give you death also for your advantage. I preserve you even in your backsliding. I care for you. I turn you back to me. I sanctify you. And I bring you to glory. When Christ communes with us in that way, especially by communicating to us His Word. That Word is powerful. It is efficacious. So that communion consists not only of Him speaking to us, and in that way, giving unto us the enjoyment of His blessings. But now we respond to Him in sweet communion. We must, we will. When He says, Repent and believe. Each of His people turn. Oh God, I am sorry for my sins. My trust in Thee. And when He says, I forgive you, we respond in thanks for that forgiveness, for His unconditional love, for His forbearance and loving kindness that covers us. When he says, I love you, in spite of your backsliding, we say, I love thee also, fount of life and grace. When he says, serve me now in thanks, we say, Lord, help me. And we do. We bring forth worship and service unto him. Beloved, all that I just described in the last couple of minutes about that communication and communion with Him, with Him, that ought to be familiar to you. That ought to be according to your experience. We don't always sense this because of our weaknesses and our sins. But it ought to be familiar to, it, to you. There ought to be a beginning of that. Personally in your lives, individually in your devotions, and also as you come to church, there ought to be such experience of communion within your souls. So that this is not a mere outward formality, this worship service. But you are right now even enjoying this communion with your God in Jesus Christ. And that brings us to the communion which we enjoy with each other then. Communion of saints is that which saints enjoy 
with God, but also that which saints have with each other. When God has communion with us, it is not an individualistic kind of communion, but He gathers us as He does so today. And He has communion with us together. In this modern and individualistic American culture and culture of this world, we must remember this. We must be warned of a popular idea. Many imagine in the evangelical church world today that communion is just me and God, me and my Bible. When I personally walk with God, and oh yes, indeed, that is inclu- it's included, but communion is with His saints, plural, notice. With a covenant community as we are joined with each other. For when God, by His Spirit, joins us to Himself in Jesus Christ, at the very same time, simultaneously, we are joined to fellow believers, fellow saints. The illustration of the vine comes to mind again. It's not just one branch joined to the vine, but many branches joined to the same vine. And all the branches, therefore, are united not only to Jesus Christ, but to one another. And the illustration of 1 Corinthians 12 ought to come to mind when the hand, the ear, the mouth, the eye, and all the parts of the body are enjoined to the head. They're not just connected to the head. But all the parts of the body are joined intimately to each other so that they are one body. They're connected. They have communion one with another as well. That's Paul's point in verses 13 and 14, especially of 1 Corinthians 12. For by one Spirit are we all baptized into one body. Whether we be Jews or Gentiles, whether we be bond or free, We have been all made to drink into one spirit. For the body is not one member, but many. When Paul there speaks of baptism, he's not talking about the outward sacrament of baptism, though that outward sacrament pictures what Paul is speaking of. Here, he is speaking of the reality of the Spirit of Jesus Christ coming to us, joining us to Him. When that Spirit comes to us and joins us to Jesus, the same Spirit takes members of different kinds and makes them one body. Jew or Gentile, bond or free, of different backgrounds, of unique personalities, of different gifts. They're all different. And He binds together with different strengths and also different weaknesses for a purpose. That each body part, each member may be brought in a complementary union. That is a union where one member serves another. Another member's strengths Help another member's weaknesses. A perfect union. 
diverse. That's the beauty of it. Brought together in unity and communion. That's the communion of saints. And this, beloved, is what you have been saved unto. We're still in our first point here. I haven't gotten to the duty. You have been saved unto this. Think of that. This is His blessing of salvation upon you. Before it's your obligation, it's what He saved you unto. So that you, as an individual, receive from Christ benefits not only, but you receive benefits from each other who are also in Christ. In communion with God, we not only hear Christ say to us, there is peace between you and God, but we hear Christ say to us, there is peace between you and a fellow member in your church. You're not only reconciled to God, you are reconciled to each other. For Christ's blood covers their sins too. In communion with God, there is not only friendship between you and God, but there is friendship and fellowship between you and your fellow member. There's not only loving communication between Christ the husband and his bride, but there's also loving communication between you and your fellow member. There are gifts not only being poured forth from heaven above unto you, but there are gifts poured forth from heaven to other members which flow unto you. Inevitably, inevitably, those who are in communion with God in Jesus Christ will have communion with each other. That will be the case. That is a blessing of salvation unto you. And where does this take place? Not randomly as you're wandering on the street and you meet another believer or someone you think is a believer. Not mainly at least. Though I grant that might happen. But it's within a local congregation. Like this one. That's who Paul is speaking to. I said in the introduction regarding the church of Corinth. To that established institute congregation. Christ has made you one body. With the members here. Paul is saying, you have this communion. Well, you might say, I, I'm not sure I want to be in communion with these people. This is where God has set you at this time. 1 Corinthians 12, verse 18. When we think of membership in a local church, we often think where I want to choose to be a member. And yes, there is responsibility, which we'll get to. But first, notice what Paul says regarding our local church membership also. 
1 Corinthians 12, 18, Now hath God set the members, you, every one of them, in the body, as it hath pleased Him. Remember that. God in His providence, in His sovereignty, has caused you to be shaped in your mother's womb with, a, with specific gifts, to be brought forth in a specific family, in a specific place, in a specific congregation. Or He has brought you from a different location unto this place to be a member of this congregation in His providence, first of all. Before you chose to join yourself here. Don't lightly take that. And now He's given you gifts. Gifts even that you might not be aware of. To be used to share with the other members of this congregation. God hath set you for that purpose here. And while it is true that you have communion and fellowship with other Christians in the world, the universal church, this is the priority. This is the main place. He has placed you here. Under these office bearers. That's one application. So that Christ pours forth gifts unto these elders. That you may from the elders receive the rule of Jesus Christ and their care. And Christ pours forth His gifts unto these deacons under which you are. That you might receive His mercies. Through them. And Christ has set you here in this church under this minister. And through the gifts He gives to Him, you might receive the Word. And Christ has set you and other members with you in this place that from them you might receive His gifts unto you. It's among these people, especially, that you celebrate Holy Communion, the Lord's Supper. It's among these people that you study the Bible together. It's among these people that He has ordained that you build friendships, that you serve with each other for the promotion of the Gospel. That, remember, before it is your duty, is His gracious blessing a salvation unto you. Has Christ saved you unto communion with Him and with each other? Yes, you say, because every Sunday you confess in the evening service, I believe and holy Catholic Church, and then you say after that, I believe the communion of the saints. Then out of that faith, same faith with which you confess the communion of the saints, you will show it. You will evidence it. You will demonstrate that you have this communion. And that's what the catechism means when it says, secondly, that everyone must know it to be his duty 
readily and cheerfully to employ his gifts for the advantage and salvation of other members. If you have been saved unto fellowship with Christ and unto fellowship with fellow saints, then you will show it. You will know it to be your duty to show it. How? How do you show it? Although this point is not explicit in the Heidelberg Catechism, you show it by joining, by joining an institute church, a faithful church of Jesus Christ. You show it by becoming members. That's not explicit, I said, but it's implied in the catechism with those last two words of question answer 55. Other members. The implication is that you are members with other members. You join yourself with other members so that within the body of Christ and the local congregation, you may share your gifts and receive from them as well. What the catechism implies the Belgic Confession makes explicit. Belgic Confession, Article 28. Regarding the church institute, the Belgic Confession says, all men are in duty bound to join and unite themselves with it, or with that church institute. Maintaining the unity of the church, submitting themselves to the doctrine and discipline thereof, bowing their necks under the yoke of Jesus Christ, and as mutual members of the same body, serving to the edification of the brethren according to the talents God has given them. In our day and age when the church is fragmented in so many different pieces so that there are different churches and denominations, it is often asked, well, if it's my duty to join a true church institute, what church institute? And people and young adults may ask that question, especially when they think about confession of faith. Well, where should I make confession of faith? What church should I be a member of and confess my faith in that church? And the answer of our catechism in Lord's Day 21, notice in the previous question, the answer 54 points us in the right direction. Agreeing in true faith. You have your membership in a local congregation, not not because you like the people there, they're fun to be with, hang out with as friends. Not because that's where you feel most uplifted. Not because that's where you have family relationships. Not because that's where you may join others to attack a common enemy that you hate. But you're members of a church because you have the same faith. That is, you agree in doctrine. You believe the same Jesus Christ and all the doctrines which point to that Savior. 
Your duty is to be a member of a church institute most faithful to the word of God, to his truth. That's your obligation. That there you might hear that truth. As Jesus Christ speaks, communicates, remember, with that truth. And in that church you may speak that same truth and communicate to one another. The members of like faith. The Budget Confession puts it even more strongly in Article 28. We believe since this holy congregation is an assembly of those who are saved, and out of it there is no salvation, that no person, whatsoever state or condition he may be, ought to withdraw himself and to live separate in a separate state from it. Negatively, the Belgian Confession is not saying when it says out of it there is no salvation. It is not saying that our membership in a particular institute is the condition for our salvation. I've preached already that Christ alone is our Savior. We depend on Him alone for salvation. It's not our church membership that determines our salvation. Positively, the Belgian Confession makes this point strongly because two points, two explanations. Those who are saved by Jesus Christ alone will demonstrate that salvation not just by good works, but by the good work of joining a true church Remaining a member there, a church where the truth of God's Word is held to and preached and loved. The Budget Confession is explaining related to the point that that is where we, that's how we demonstrate our salvation. That in a local congregation, we receive the means of grace. where the truth of God's Word is preached. And the elders discipline according to that Word. And the deacons minister with gifts, not only material, but with that same Word. Christ chooses to use the means for the salvation of His people in a local congregation that He might sanctify and preserve them Unto glory. Our duty is to join a church institute faithful to the truth. But beloved, there's more. Not only do you have communion with Christ and His people shown in your membership officially, but your duty is to show it by your living membership. Notice how question answer 54 ends. That you are a living member thereof. I am and forever shall remain a living member thereof. Here's where the illustration of the human body is better. It, has, it makes a stronger point than the illustration of a branch connected to a tree or a vine. 
There's a living, active member. You work to serve the body. Are you a living member? Or are you a, what is called a, often a dud? Are you a giving member? Or what some might say, just a moocher? Someone who just receives? Are you a member who is willing both to give and receive? Or are you too proud to receive? From others. Communion, remember, communion is sharing, giving and receiving, receiving and giving, not only with God, but among members of the church. Your duty, therefore, is to use your gifts for the sake of others. What if I don't feel like I have any gifts? The Word of God tells you, verse 15, if the foot shall say, because I'm not the hand, am I not, I am not the body, is it therefore not the body? If the ear shall say, because I'm not the eye, I am not of the body, is it therefore not the body? Some in Corinth, in that church back then, and some today in this church even, may think and may say, I don't have gifts that the other person has, so I don't have any gifts. I'm not of the body. I don't have a position that that office bearer has, so I'm not really of the body. I have nothing to give. Paul's point, we're all different parts, but the same spirit, different gifts, Indiscernible at times. But in God's sovereignty, join to one another. And your duty is to use your gifts for one another. Verse 22 is one of my favorite verses in the Bible. Nay, much more those members of the body which seem more feeble are necessary. From a human perspective, we sometimes think of others as feeble or weaker. And you yourself, perhaps sitting in the pew this morning, might think yourself as Weaker, more feeble as you compare your gifts to others. God says in verse 22, you're essential, you're necessary to this body. More, verse 24, He gives more abundant honor to that part which lacks. He even gives more abundant honor to you. Even if others in the church may not honor you, or thank you. The calling is to serve the body. Readily and cheerfully. That's the matter. Willingly and joyfully. Those are synonyms. And behind those words is the motivation of gratitude. Gratitude. Out of thanks for the communion that God has unconditionally given us in Jesus Christ. 
our salvation. We readily and cheerfully serve Him and each other in the body. Sometimes look at such an obligation as though it's a burden or a chore. Something we know we ought to do, but don't really want to. Not willingly and readily, but grudgingly. Perhaps we're tired. Some of you have served and served and served. Let others, you say, who haven't given as much do do the work. You become weary and well-doing. You might say, I don't really like those people very much. Or, there's something between myself and them. I feel like I'm on the fridge. So it's difficult. The focus needs to be on your salvation. Remember what Christ has done. Remember that He has given. He has given and given and given. He has given of Himself to the death of the cross. He has taken your laziness and my selfishness and your neglect and my neglect of church and communion and the body of Christ and suffered for it in our place. He has earned the forgiveness of God. He has employed His gifts in your service. And having done so in his lifetime, he has risen again and ascended, and he still gives. That's communion. He gives to you unconditionally, even though you don't deserve it, even though you often take it for granted and are unaware of it. And now being reminded of it, you are to show your thanks. For so great, merciful, a Savior. Freely you have received. Freely give. Matthew 10 verse 8. Comes from a thankful heart. That's the manner. Readily and cheerfully. To serve the body. As you seek to show thanks to your Savior. This communion, I remind you. Is especially with the word. Is primarily how Christ has communion with us. Communication. And so, beloved, as you have communion with God and communion with each other, remember the Word. You serve on a committee, perhaps. You work as an office bearer. You gather with each other for coffee. You show hospitality. You bring meals. I step outside after church. You come face to face with each other. And our tendency is to talk about everything else, even to complain and murmur. A communion is. Especially communication with the Word. Bring the Word. Echo the Word. 
show the word. The example of the New Testament church, Acts 2.42. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine, that's the word, and fellowship or communion, and breaking of bread and in prayers. That's God's sweet communion with us. And that is our sweet communion with each other, with the word of truth. May God use this word to bless your church communion. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message. It is our hope that it was edifying to you. Please subscribe to our podcast. We publish daily meditations, Heidelberg Catechism Lord's Day sermons on Wednesdays, and topical podcasts on Fridays. You can find more information about us at our website, hopeprchurch.org, and you can email us with any questions or feedback at hoperwc at gmail.com. Thank you.